this week is is a week that oftentimes we joke about. It gets passed by in the in the commercial, uh, the commercialization, I guess, of the holiday season. And and uh, I'd seen a calendar that was put out recently where somebody circled all of November and all of December except for Thanksgiving. All of that was circled in green, and it said November the first to December the twenty fifth was Christmas except for the two days of Thanksgiving. And that's truly the way that we kind of treat it. But the one I want to talk to you about today is the, the so many reasons. In fact, the most important reason that we have to pause and give thanks is I was thinking through the many, many, many blessings in my life. It's, it's always easy to start with my wife and my family. Uh, I am grateful the fact that uh, that we're in a, in, a, in a nice building with a heat and air conditioning. We've got electricity. Uh, you know, I've had the, the opportunity to travel on some mission uh, projects to Peru. And while you're in the cities of Peru, by and large, it's not a whole lot different than where we live. But when you go out into the countryside or even on the outskirts of, of Lima, you realize that not everybody has the blessings that we have. One of the key differences between the, the comforts and the blessings that we have is the fact that we have running water and underground sewage treatment. A lot of the places that I've walked in India and in Nicaragua and Peru had the sewer actually ran in ditches outside in front of people's houses. Oftentimes they would have a plank or a rock that would be over top of that ditch and uh, that that sewer would run from the ditch down into the creek and then you would drive right outside of town and you would see a, a mother and children bathing outside of town in that creek and we we really don't understand how blessed we are to even be born in 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 the place that we've been born to be born to the parents that we were born to rarely do we stop and consider that level of blessing but you can you can literally go on and on and on and of course the song that always comes to my mind is the old hymn that i used to sing a lot growing up count your many blessings name them one by one and it will surprise you what the lord has done we're, we're far more often we're the the the, the problem seers uh, we, we can have a hundred blessings and one little issue over here that's gone wrong. And what we're going to focus on is what's gone wrong. We, we, can have, we can be in agreement on a hundred things and you say one thing that I don't like and I'm going to focus on the one thing that you said. Instead of looking at all of the, 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 the many blessings that we have in our friendships and our relationships and our church family and our homes, in the nation we live in, the fact that, that we have vehicles and gas to put in our vehicles and and we can get around and we can travel and, and we have food on our tables and you can go into a grocery store and find just about anything you want. We truly have been blessed far beyond what the majority of the world can even imagine by a, a, a benevolent and loving God. But all of those blessings of all of these material things, of all of the, the things that God has provided for us, pale in comparison to the one thing that I'm most grateful for. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Go ahead and read with me. We're going to be looking at Psalm 116. I know we've been in the Psalms a lot today. 
I actually shared a devotional yesterday from Psalm 103 at the men's prayer breakfast. I'll put in a plug for that. If you weren't there, we had 25 men there yesterday. We had a, a great breakfast. We're not doing one in December, but we're going to start back in January. So keep an eye out for that. Or read with me Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my appeal for mercy. Because he has turned his ear to me, I will call out to him as long as I live. Paul's there for just one second. Do you notice that the psalmist does not claim to be the pure one in his love? The psalmist doesn't love the Lord because there's love naturally a part of us as human beings. He loves the Lord because the Lord did something first. We love the Lord because the Lord loved us first. Our only hope of, of the relationship with the living God is that he reached out to us, not that we reached out to him. And so he, he writes, I love the Lord because he, he heard my appeal. He goes on to say there in verse three, the ropes of death were wrapped around me and the torments of Sheol overcame me. I encountered trouble and sorrow. And then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous, and our God is compassionate. The Lord guards the inexperienced. When, when I read that word inexperienced there, I thought of, it probably more applies to me as the fool or the stupid, uh, those who don't know any better. Those of us who don't know what we're doing, it, it, it reminded me of Jesus' words. Uh, when he was on the cross, when he, when he called out, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. The Lord loves those who don't have a clue. I was helpless, and he saved me. Return to rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, rescued me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, even when I said I am severely oppressed. In my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. How can I repay the Lord for all the good he has done for me? I will take the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. The death of his faithful ones is valuable in the Lord's sight. Lord, I am indeed your servant. I am your servant, the son of your female servant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer you a thanksgiving sacrifice and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the Lord's house within you, Jerusalem. Hallelujah. I want to walk through this very quickly. Today, we are going to partake of the Lord's Supper. In some traditions, it's referred to as a Eucharist. That word Eucharist means thanksgiving, giving to give thanks. And, and the reason that some uh, traditions refer to it as the Eucharist or the, a thanksgiving feast or, or, or meal as to the Lord's Supper like we generally do is because one of the reasons that we come to the Lord's table is to give thanks for what Christ did for us on the cross. We, we come to, to remember, Jesus said, remember what I've done for you. We come to look forward to the return of Christ. It, in scripture, it, it tells us to partake of the Lord's supper, always looking forward to his coming and we'll do it until the day he comes. But the Lord also paused and said, give thanks. And so we'll give thanks today for the body of Christ that was broken for us and his blood that was shed. 
In fact, the one reason above all other reasons that we ought to pause this week and give thanks is because he rescued us. Christ rescued us. God sent his son to do for us something that we could not do for ourselves. You see it here in this text when the author, uh, the, the psalmist says that, that I was helpless in verse six and he saved me. You know, a lot of people in our culture would argue, well, we're not helpless. We can go to work. We can get a job. We can make money. We can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We can take care of ourselves. But I would argue that there are some areas in our life that unless God move, you are without hope and without help. That the first and most important of those truths is the fact that there is only one way that you and I can enter into a relationship with God and have hope of eternal life. Because of our sin, we are separated from God. Not because God wants us to be separated, but he is a holy God. And our sin separates us from a holy God. And because of our sin, we are in a position of hopelessness and helplessness. If you and I take our last breath on this earth and die in our sin without having our sin dealt with, we will be eternally separated from that holy God. Yesterday, when we looked at this passage in, uh, in Psalm 103, a couple of the verses that I wanted to bring into today's message, in 103 verse 10, where it tells us that he, he dealt with our sin in a way that we could not. Verse 10 of Psalm 103 says, He has not dealt with us as our sin deserves or repaid us according to our iniquities. Now, back when Psalm 116, when we see that word, he has heard my appeal for mercy, that is the very definition of mercy. What I deserve because of my sin is eternal separation from a holy God. The wages of sin, Scripture says, is death. The what I have earned because of sin is death. When the psalmist in Psalm 116 and in 103 speaks about this idea that death is wrapped around me. I am destined to die. I have no hope. I'm helpless. It's because our sin has separated us from this holy God. The good news is that God loves us so much that he provided a bridge, a way for us to come into his presence you read the rest of that text. In fact, verse five of Psalm 116 says, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is compassionate. When you read the Psalm 116 here and you follow the thought of the psalmist in verse four, the scripture says, I called on the name of the Lord. The Lord saved me. He doesn't say at that point that he was saved, but he says that he cried out, Lord, save me. He recognized his hopelessness. He understood that he was wrapped up in death and that his only hope, that his only direction from this life was he was headed into Sheol. He was headed to hell because of the sin in his life. And he cries out to God, Lord, save me. And when he cried out, Lord, save me, that simple cry, he found out that God is gracious and righteous and compassionate. You know, a lot of folks looking from the outside think that Christianity is all about a religion. 
And what God desires to do is control us and, and, and to make us miserable because he has all these rules that are placed on us. That is not the God who I worship and the God who I serve. The God who I worship and the God who I serve desires that I live a life that is full and meaningful. Jesus said there's a thief who comes to steal and kill and to destroy in John 10, 10, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, have it to its fullest. And so when the psalmist cries out, Lord, save me, what he learned about God in those moments was that God is gracious and righteous and compassionate. And then verse six says, he saved me. When we cry out to God, for the salvation of our soul, he promises that he hears that prayer and he answers it by drawing us into his family, adopting us as one of his children and saving us from the destiny that we have, that we deserve because of our sin. Once again, Psalm 103 is a beautiful picture of that. In verse 13, it says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows that we're made of what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. The Lord has compassion on us. He has compassion on those who fear him. He, he knows that we're nothing but dust. We have no life without him. Psalm 103, 15 goes on to say, as for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. And when the wind passes over it, it vanishes and his place is no longer known. Our destiny without Christ, without a compassionate God who loves us and sent his son to die on a cross for us, our destiny is to die, to not be remembered, to be wiped from the face of history. But verse 17 of Psalm 103 says, but from eternity to eternity, hear that, from eternity to eternity. How long is that? More than 20 years. More than 80 years. From eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him. What a beautiful picture of those who keep his covenant who remember to observe his precepts. We have a God who loves us and out of his compassion, he's offered us eternity with him. Not because we deserve it. The psalmist has already said, because of my sin, I don't deserve it. All God is asking of me is to respond positively toward this incredible offer that he's made, this gift of compassion, this gift of love. He simply asked that we respond to him, that we respond and respect and fear and, and, and accept and receive that gift. And in fact, the third primary point that I'd want to make from Psalm 116 is this, all we can do is to accept his gift. Look at verse 12 of Psalm 116, if you still have it. How can I repay the Lord for all the good he has done for me? 
that's that's one of the the, the core questions of this idea of, of of salvation of this transaction that you know Romans chapter 10 says that those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul asked that question, how are they going to how are they going to ever hear the gospel if they don't have a preacher? Well, they need a preacher to preach the, the the message. They need they need the message to be delivered. Then and then there needs to be a response. Those who call upon the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved, he goes on to say in Romans 10. So what, what, is the, 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 what can we do in response to a, to a compassionate, loving God who has offered us this incredible gift? Theologians will argue over minutia or details of it, but probably one of the best explanations I've I've heard was given, came from my associate pastor, Nathan, a, a few weeks ago, and I know he got it from somebody else. But the idea was, there's nothing that we can do. We are poor and wretched and hopeless. We are sinners. Because of our sin, we're destined to an eternity separated from God. But God has come with this incredible gift. Think of it as, as though you're in abject poverty. You don't have a penny to your name. You don't have anything to eat. You can't pay your bills next month. And this benevolent, incredible individual comes to you and says, I've got a check for you for a million dollars. All you have to do is accept it. And you look at that and you go, well, I don't really like you or I really don't believe it. No, the bottom line is you've done nothing to deserve the check. You've done nothing to earn that gift. But you have an option. You can accept that gift with incredible gratitude and be taken care of or you can reject the gift. The psalmist asked the question, how can I repay the Lord for all the good he's done for me? And he responds this way, I will take the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. So my question for you today is have you accepted his gift his cup of salvation and called on the name of the Lord. That's, that's all that you can do. You can't earn it. You can't go to church enough days. You can't do enough good deeds to earn this gift. It's just a gift. All you can do is accept the gift. That's, that's what salvation truly is. God offering something to you that you cannot, never will be able to do for yourself when he sent his son to die on a cross for you. All you can do, and, and we would say, well, that's not really repaying God, is it? No, it's really not. It's just receiving his gift of love, accepting it, and in fact, the benefits of responding to God with that kind of fear and respect and honor by accepting his gift are far greater for you than they ever would be for God. God doesn't need us. 
I, I don't think heaven is going to be one star brighter because the Lord has allowed me to enter into it. God doesn't need me, but man, do I need his gift. And so the psalmist goes on to say, what else can I do? But I call upon the name of the Lord. And from there on, I want to serve him and worship him. He's, I, I, I want to go after him. I want to pursue him. I want to, I want to serve him. I, I, I want to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to him. Because I can't do anything to earn it. All I can do is say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. My soul can now find rest. The psalmist tells us, my soul can rest in what the Lord has done because there's nothing that I could have done to get there. You've been listening to a Sunday morning message from our services here at First Baptist Wataga. Our family's mission is to exalt the Savior, equip the saints, and evangelize the lost. If you want to know more about First Baptist Wataga or need to reach out to us for prayer, go to fbcwataga.org and let us know. In all things, to God be the glory, honor, and praise.